Welcome to A Degree in Sports, your home for college football and college basketball. My name's Cole, and I'm here alongside my great mate, Jeff Tate. Jeffrey Tate, are you ready for this week of football? Oh, I'm so ready. We're going to get to the games, but I mean, there's a few games this week. We have four top 25 games, which a few weeks ago we had six, or maybe seven, honestly. We had a lot that week. This week we got four, so... We are very uh, spoiled for some really good football this weekend. Big conference games, a huge non-conference game in USC against Notre Dame, which would be kind of fun to talk about. Uh, weather looks crappy here on the uh, in the Midwest, so for those that are uh, into bad conditions worth of football, we're going to get that Saturday. Apparently, it's supposed to rain all day. Uh, and I know that Notre I think I saw something today. USC was preparing for the rain or something in Southern California because they're coming up to South Bend and they were doing some crazy things to simulate the rain because, you know, it doesn't rain often, especially where you are, but let alone in California. So, no, Cole, very excited for college football this weekend. I also am starting to get that itch for college basketball. We're not quite to it, but I uh, – I almost I almost bought some March Madness tickets today, but I, I held myself back. I didn't. I was like, can't do it yet. So I'm excited. So it's I'm it's approaching my favorite time of the year where I get both college football and college basketball. So looking forward to it, Cole. Yeah, I'm definitely starting to feel that that kind of itch for college basketball as well. Especially there's nothing like those uh, early season tournaments too, or like that that one Tuesday where. Um, the Blue Bloods are playing each other, and then in between the games, they release the college football playoff rankings. Like, that's just the best. So it's we're just we're right in it. We made it through summer, and football carried us to this point where we're now at the best point where every sport that you care to watch is going to be on TV, and that is just the absolute best. And we're in the the good part of college football season where a lot of teams are still alive, fighting for. Uh, a playoff berth, and every week there's a game that matters, um, and there's multiple games that matters every single week, and this is just a great time to be a sports fan, and uh, I'm just enjoying every second of it. Yeah, and we want to say, uh, as of as usual, like and subscribe to the podcast. We're going to be stepping up our effort a little bit on Twitter. We have a, one of our good friends helping us out on the social media platform. He's really good, really creative, and just it's going to help us out a lot because Cole and I, we got full-time jobs, but this is our passion and we want to put as much time and effort and just good stuff into this podcast. And so we're getting some help. So shout out to one of our friends, Isaiah, helping us out with that. And without further ado, Cole, let's let's start with Michigan State football a little bit. We haven't talked a lot about the Mel Tucker and him being fired and everything going around the Michigan State program. It was a bye week for Michigan State. And just some stuff has continued to come out. I, I was telling you before we got on the air, a lot of things just, it's like every day you see something new and he's obviously fired. Like he's never going to coach a game at Michigan State again. Now, the big thing right now is how much money is he going to get paid from the university? Because the longer that time goes on and more stuff that we'll kind of get into um, that came out recently the evidence keeps kind of going in the way of Mel Tucker being maybe right with the grounds of his dismissal not being accurate. And it's it's going to be interesting, Cole. I mean, we're not, we obviously won't get into details and all that, but I know it's, it's not fun for me to go through as a Michigan State fan. That's why I want Michigan State basketball to start up here uh, because that team just it has me very excited. But Cole, what are your thoughts on all the stuff coming out, especially the text messages that have been kind of released in the last week or two? Yeah, there's been kind of a a leaking of text messages, basically looking like Brenda Tracy was doing all this more premeditated, was was texting her friend, I think it was, like, oh, he's worth this much money. I'm going to get him to fund my next project with this, or this guy just got paid this much. I'm going to get myself a bag from him. Uh, And those were kind of the texts that were circulating that this kind of seemed like it was a premeditated strike on Mel Tucker where she was trying to set him up uh, and looking for her way to get paid, Um, which if that is true, uh, this is just um, all allegedly the messages are out. There's nothing proven yet. But if it is true, that is quite horrible, especially given what it's horrible for anyone to do. But 
she's been a champion for uh, victims of sexual assault that when stuff like this happens, anytime someone is lying about it, it's really uh, just a spit in the face of all the real victims um, who have been through it. So if that's true, that's horrible. And also just sucks for Mel, Mel Tucker, if it's true. Uh, another thing, separating. So I just said that. I'm going to separate uh, that human element um, from what I'm about to say. Um, is that it seems to me like people might not have liked Mel Tucker that much. This is just me, my own inferring from things I've seen. Because uh, my inside source said he thought it would probably be true. That's close to Michigan State program. No player has transferred since he left. But there were a lot of players who were transferring out of that program when Mel Tucker was there. I'm starting to think that maybe his t- his team didn't like him that much. Uh, maybe his team didn't think very highly of him. Maybe the university didn't think very highly of him and they were excited to just jump the gun and fire him. Like I said, separating from the past thing. If, if, if this is a lie about what Brenda Tracy um, said about him, if that's not true, that's horrible. And this is a complete uh, injustice done against him. But I do think on the other side... Maybe this players didn't like him that much, and maybe like I think that I think both can be true. It's a horrible injustice if, if what come out is true, but also it seems like his players didn't love him that much either, and maybe the school didn't didn't love him either because they didn't really fight for him or do anything, and no players wanted to leave. So th- these are all that the this stuff is kind of things that I'm inferring from seeing this, but yeah, that's 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 my my little two cents in the situation. Yeah, and I think there's a real element to. Mel Tucker got very lucky with how good Kenneth Walker was two years ago and got all the way to a Peach Bowl, uh, beat Michigan. And he, in his three years when he was, I'm not counting this as the fourth year, but had a winning record against Michigan. But he never really, there's a lot of hype for him, I would say, especially I was really excited once. I kind of started reading about Mel Tucker coming in and all this, but never really got to the point where, you would have hoped in the first four years. Uh, recruiting was never really something that he could do, and I always thought he would be a very good recruiter. And I think it kind of gave the university a kind of easy way out, to be honest. And I, I'm i okay with that if what happened is true and the stuff was not the way that uh, Mel Tucker said it was. But if it was and he is fired for really not doing anything except being in a way a victim of the situation and the media making him the victim that'd be pretty hard because i i don't want the university just to fire a guy because of something like that and so if it's not true and all that stuff once we get down the road with the there's going to be there's lawsuits there's going to be court cases there's going to be a lot of stuff that's what I hope does not come out, that he wasn't in the wrong. Because if that's the case, he did get screwed. And that would be – and there's a lot a lot is going to play out. But I do like for the future of Michigan State football that only one player has entered the portal since Mel Tucker has been fired. Uh, and he was our four-string running back. Uh, he was actually a guy I was looking forward to when he got to Michigan State. But after three years, really didn't do anything. So you hope it's – you hope it, uh, you got to let everything play out. You can't make assumptions right now. And to be honest, we're not going to know really who was probably in the fault for this until after a new head coach is named at Michigan State. So we got probably a lot of time for that, Cole, but who knows? I just hope, I hope every, the, just let the, just let the courts and everything decide it. Don't, public opinion can kill people. We don't need that. So yeah, both, both outcomes, there's a tragedy, a sad thing involved whether it's she was lying, um, then that's incredibly sad, or it actually happened, and that's also sad that she had to be a victim. So both outcomes are sad, and the, the only thing you can really hope for is that is that the truth comes out and uh, justice is done in the end. But, yeah, I think that's the main thing. Exactly, and let's uh, let's get into it. Let's talk football now. We'll get into the games. we got some really good games this week. Let's start off, though, with our top ten. I, I'll go first. A lot of change in the top ten. I had a few teams – move out of the top 10 and one team move kind of up quite a bit and one team move down quite a bit. So I'm going to start right at 10. Last week I had, uh, got to remember who I had to be honest. I think last week I had Alabama at number 10. Okay. And I dropped Alabama out of the top 10. Now, great win against Texas A&M. And you, you know, I am a Texas or I'm an Alabama guy this year, but we're going to move them out. 
and we're gonna move Texas down to 10. So Texas, I had at four, moving them down to 10 due to the loss to Oklahoma. We got Oklahoma moving up to number nine. Part of my reasoning here of not having Alabama is I'm going to give the benefit to Texas of beating Alabama at Alabama. So I can't move Texas ahead of, or uh, Alabama ahead of Texas. So got those 10, nine. USC's eight, uh, tough. They won their game, but did not look pretty. They have a big game against Notre Dame this week. And if they lose, they probably will not be in the top 10. But if they win, I might have them moving up a bit. Seven, Oregon, huge game this week on the road against Washington. Six, Penn State. Five, Washington. Four, Florida State. I moved Michigan up all the way to three. Michigan has continued to dominate. And now that we're into Big Ten play and I'm watching it against Big Ten opponents, I'm giving them their props they deserve. Michigan at three. Ohio State at two. Reason Ohio State's at two. And Michigan's at three because people will probably say Michigan's looked better is Ohio State's road win against Notre Dame, giving them a little props, and then beating Maryland. I really, truly think at the end of the year, Maryland will be a top 25 team. And then Georgia's won, finally looked like Georgia on Saturday, and dominated Kentucky. So that's my top 10, Cole. Lots of movement. A lot of these teams have really tough games this week, so we're probably going to see more movement come week eight. Yeah, there's definitely going to be movement after this week, but not a bad top 10. I like that you moved Michigan up. I moved Michigan up as well, so you'll have to see uh, where I have them. So my number 10, new team, newcomer to my top 10, uh, into anyone's top 10, is North Carolina. They've been just passing every test and really dominating teams the past three weeks, so I just think they deserve it. Um, Not a lot of people are talking about them. They have a big uh, something to prove this week against Miami. This is their toughest test of the year, but I'm definitely excited to watch them, and and who knows, it's not going to be an easy one for them. Uh, number nine is where I dropped Texas to after their loss to Oklahoma. Um, crazy game. Oklahoma's really good. Um, like I said, I think Texas would be favored um, if they played again, and hopefully they do. And I think that's why I'm not going to drop them too far out of the top ten or down in the top ten. Number number eight is Washington. Um, they just continue to uh, perform well. I think uh, this will be this this game this week will tell us a lot about this team. They will jump quite a lot from eight if they uh, if they win on Saturday. Number seven is Penn State. They just continue to just do what they do. Uh, no real movement there. Number six, Ohio State. Yeah, they I, I moved them down a little bit just like I moved Penn State, but that was more because other teams have been performing well and impressing me more, not because they haven't been impressing me. Uh, Maryland really controlled Ohio State in that first half and dominated. Um, Maryland is a good team. I 100% agree. But I, I, I'm not super scared of Ohio State. Not like I am of my number five team, which is Oklahoma. They proved it with a huge win over Texas in the big time. And I, I, was, I was wrong about Oklahoma. I was. And they had to go prove it against a good team. And they proved it. So they deserve to be moved up. So Oklahoma is my number five team. Number four is Oregon. Um, Oregon... To me, the more I just watch them and, and think about them and, and look, at, look at the film, look at the tape, look at the stats, Oregon's a really good team, and I'm super high on them. I have been since the beginning of the year as my Pac-12 champion, and yeah, I have Oregon at four. Number three is Georgia, so Georgia's been moved up quite a bit um, after they finally played like Georgia, so good for them. Um, they finally dominated for the first time from start to finish, and I, I said they would. I said this is a classic Kirby getting them up for a night game against Kentucky. Number two, Michigan. Um, I know they still haven't really played anyone good, but they are doing to teams exactly what a number two team in the country does to teams. On the road uh, in Big Ten games, they're not great Big Ten teams, but they're still beating a Big Ten opponent on the road and not giving them any sign of life. The game is over within the first five minutes of the game it has been the past two weeks and and they just continue to to really dominate and i think nothing's going to change this week after they beat indiana by a lot and then my number one team um just because of their wins and the way they've looked is florida state they have the wins that they could win went out and i would drop them from my number one team just based on other opponents other teams have but as of right now as of this week um they are holding steady as my number one team after i dropped texas down my big number one takeaway, moving Oklahoma up to five, is that's a lot. But, hey, I I get it. I They got horrible news yesterday losing Andrew Anthony for the year. I really think he's their best receiver, and I think he 
is a difference maker. Not that they're probably going to need him in the next uh, few weeks of this season, but when you play Texas again, that's a game changer that you want on your field. But I, I'll give that to you. Uh, Ohio State at six. I think you moved them down quite a bit. I thought you had them at maybe three or four last week, but maybe not. I had them at three. Three, okay. So you moved them down a bit, and that's that's fine. They only beat Maryland by 20, so that's uh, – that's I respect that score is not indicative of how that game really was. I know I just but had also, to I had to refresh you because you're uh, <laughs> minus or plus nineteen and a half. I had to give you a little it, hard time. Like I said, I don't. I'm not docking Ohio State for their performance. I am more uplifting the other teams for uh, what I think about them. Nope, that I totally do agree with that. I think that's fair, and you've been you've been consistent with how you grade the teams. So I I can't say anything about that. But Cole, we have a lot of games this week. That involve a lot of the teams in our top 10. Uh, we have one game that we're going to get to that both of us have both teams in the top 10. It's obviously the game we're kind of uh, all excited for. But I want to start us off with a game in the SEC that I think has a lot of potential, but I don't know what to expect. We got Texas A&M plus three points going in to Rocky Top, Tennessee to play a very big football game in the SEC. Uh, those are two programs that kind of are just looking to take the next step this season. Obviously, you look at Texas A&M coming off a tough loss to Alabama last week, but they still have everything, I think, to play for. Two and one in that. You, you Who knows what's going to happen to Alabama, especially how Cole says they are horrible. So they'll probably lose three games, and then Texas A&M might win the SEC West. So who knows, but SEC East, I think this is the best team to contend against Georgia, but I don't really think they can in Tennessee. They lost Brew McCoy for the year. He's, he was probably their best receiver. And it's one of those things. How is Joe Milton going to play in this game? They're coming off a bye. What do you expect in this game? Cole? I, I don't, I don't really know what to expect on Saturday afternoon with this. Yeah, they definitely need uh, Joe Milton to be a little more mobile. He has uh, he was he's looked a little like he struggled with an injury. So if he's more healthy uh, off this bye week and he can move, that will be huge for them. Um, I don't really think they have the passing attack to really challenge Texas A&M downfield, even though Texas A&M is really bad at defending the pass. They're just not as good this year. The, the Their strongest part of Tennessee's team this year has been their offense. Um, and I really think it's a battle of the defensive line of Texas A&M versus the offensive line of Tennessee and uh, the run defense versus the run, rush offense. Um, and that's I think that's the game. Um, and, yeah, I definitely have, have a play on this game. Um, I will be betting on this one. Um, but you'll have to wait and see uh, of what, what that'll be. I got I got a lot of plays on a lot of these games. Uh of, I, I like the board for the big games. I did not like the board for the smaller games this week. I kind of am with you on that. I think I probably have two or three from the, the I'd say the big games this week that I have a good play for. But the one interesting thing in the Texas A&M game is that if Tennessee played this Texas A&M team and it was the Tennessee of last year, oh my gosh, they would destroy them. I mean, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman running down the outside, Hendon Hooker throwing it to him. And they'd probably put up 50-plus points this week. But I just don't think they have it. That's Tennessee is built on a team that – or they're built as a team to throw down the field. And without Brew McCoy, I think they're going to have a really hard time doing that. But Texas A&M's offense also, with all the talent they have, has not looked as good as they should. I mean, they have Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart, who are two of probably the better receivers in the SEC. And they just really – I guess haven't gotten the full production, I would say, out of them. But, Cole, I think this game's going to be good, and I wish it wasn't at 3.30. I wish it was a noon game because 3.30 I'm going to have my eyes all on our next game I want to talk about, Oregon-Washington. Oregon's a three-point dog going into Washington. That is a very hard place to play. Beautiful stadium. It sits right there on that lake. I don't. You'll have to ask Wilson what the lake name is, but I've always seen the shots when they have a game at Washington, and it's a sweet-looking setup. But this game is the one we're all looking forward to. This is the number one and number two offenses in college football, and it is going to be an elite, high-level game call. How excited are you, Mr. Pac-12? First of all, that is Husk uh, Union Bay at Husky Stadium, so... It is uh, a part, some canals from our, the old Lady Pacific leads to it, Lake Victoria, I think. So 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's in that little mix of Seattle. So it's Union Bay that you're thinking of, and it is a very very cool place. Um, and it's a big stadium as far as Pac-12 stadiums go. It's fifty six thousand. But yeah, Pac-12 Cole is here and well. So excited for this. This is the one that you really circle on your calendar of like this is the game I want to watch this year. Um, in the Pac-12, this is this could be uh, just like we had last week with Texas Oklahoma a preview of the Pac-12 championship. Obviously, there's a little more, uh, a few more teams in this conference fighting for that than in the Big 12. But if I had to put my money on it right now, I'd say these are the two best teams in the conference. Uh, and this is, that's how we have them ranked as well in our in our top 10s. And it's a battle of two really good coaches, two really good rosters, and two really, really good offenses. Oregon's defense has drastically improved from last year. So the two and a half point line to me is actually a little bit shocking. Um, however, it's that that Oregon's not favored, but Washington is really. How do you defend all three of those receivers? All three of those guys are going to go to the NFL next year. Obviously, uh, Polk will be a little bit later in the in the draft, but yeah, it's it's going to be a really fun game, and I'm I'm very excited. I think the key is can Oregon keep the ball out of Washington's hands and and really go on long sustained drives um, and just wear out that Washington defense and keep uh, that high powered offense off the field for Washington. And these are two quarterbacks in Bo Nix and Michael Penix that don't turn the ball over. I mean, you're looking at the stats this year: Bo Nix one interception through six game or five games, and then you have Michael Penix. He has two interceptions through six games. So it's it's a very disciplined offenses. I give the nod to Oregon on defense because Oregon's defense is better than Washington's defense, in my opinion. And not that that's my game pick, but that's going to be a huge deal in this game because you know both teams can score. I mean, over-under set at 67 points. You're going to see points, and you should when the offenses are this elite. Oregon can run the football a lot better than Washington can. But I would definitely give the nod to Washington in the passing attack because they have – I don't necessarily think Penix is like way better than Bo Nix in my opinion. I just think the weapons that Penix has are better than what Oregon's outside weapons are. But I wouldn't say Penix is by far a better quarterback than Bo Nix. But both these guys have played in a ton of college football games. I mean, both these guys started their careers off – at different places. I mean, you have Bo Nix playing at Auburn in the SEC. You have those tough road environments to go into. And then you have uh, Michael Penix, who played at Indiana, and he had to go into Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. And those aren't easy places to win. So both of these guys are prepared for this game, and it's just going to be a classic. I mean, when you see the, the line, I have it at three for FanDuel. So if you want to pick that later, it's I have it's uh, the line is three. So it's a it's a field goal game, crazy crazy tight game is what Vegas is saying, and I'm telling you what, I'm so excited. This might be the game outside of Ohio State and Notre Dame coming into that. Now there's bias in that because I like Ohio State. I would say this is the game I've looked forward to the most this year. I am just super excited for this game. Yeah, I think another storyline here is is the two quarterbacks who are both really on a Heisman campaign right now. Um, winner of this game will do a lot for their Heisman campaign and and maybe getting an edge on the other. Right now, Penix definitely has the edge on Bo Nix, but Bo Nix is right there with him for sure. He is definitely within striking distance, and it would go a long way uh, for whoever wins this game, especially if they perform very, very well. This is also a very aesthetically pleasing game to watch. I mean, these two jerseys going at it, these two just Pacific Northwest schools, and I think it's a very, very good uh, jersey matchup, and um, it's going to be something just like really be fun to watch and just real pleasing to the eye, really satisfying. So this game honestly scratches every single itch I have in college football, and I am so excited to just consume every second of it. Future King has a uh, pick for Bo Nix to win the Heisman that he placed at the beginning of the year, so I'm hoping he can make a statement game here and. Uh, get excited for this because I think Bo Nix is a sleeper to win the Heisman. And I got him at pretty good odds, I would say, before before the year, Cole. You, you placed the wager on Bo Nix to win the Heisman? Yeah. I placed the wager on Bo Nix to win the Heisman. Oh, we both did. Let's, hey, let's root future for kings. Future Kings. Yeah, Future Kings. I forgot you did that. But yeah. I also have Caleb Williams. So I think I think one of the, I think the, the winner is going to come from the Pac-12, which is kind of cool. But speaking of Caleb Williams, this is a game – 
Or USC's 4-0 in the, the Pac-12 so far. Now, they have played the bottom basically four teams, I would say, in the Pac-12. But tough game, Pac-12, going on the road, USC, two-and-a-half-point dogs at Notre Dame Saturday night, primetime, 7.30. I don't know what to expect in this game because these two teams are so different. You have USC, who's a top-five offense in college football. You have Notre Dame, who's a top-15 defense in college football. Con- completely contrasting styles. You look at Notre Dame, they are just coming off a grind the last three, four weeks. And I asked it last week, do they have enough mental toughness to get through this? This game, they're going to be ready to play because Notre Dame, USC is a rivalry that goes all the way back. And I think this game also has the potential to be just a thriller on Saturday night in South Bend. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, I mean, this is what it's all about. It's a big rivalry, historic rivalry, and it's just crazy that we're so blessed to have both Oregon, Washington, and USC, Notre Dame on the same day. Um, just another great day of football. It's This is going to be an interesting game. You were mentioning earlier, uh, preparing for the rain. There's a call for thunderstorms there right now. Um, so hopefully we're not getting too many delays in this game. We can actually get it played. But it was USC had a hose, and while they were returning punts, they were spraying uh, the USC players with a hose. But I guess, you know, prepare, prepare them for everything. So don't, don't knock it. Unless they do fumble punt, then that'll be incredibly funny. Um, but, yeah, this will be another game of, one, this is the best defense that USC has faced all year, the best team they have faced all year. Can they just continue to outscore opponents when they – play a better uh, a better defense um there's definitely blood in the water with usc they have not looked great the last few weeks it's really just here you go caleb i'm gonna call a play that allows you to just have total control and you do whatever you need to do to make this team win because that's what they've had to do their defense is bad and caleb has to go and do everything for them so i have no idea um because it's hard to bet against a really good player in caleb williams but also it's got to be telling that Notre Dame, as far ranked below them as they are, is favored in this game. And I, I think that says a lot. I just think also they're going to be looking for a big bounce back. They might have woke up after Louisville. But also, how do you deal with your season essentially being over? I know it's a rivalry game, so that's, all, that's always going to mean something. But there's there could be a little loss of juice because they're pretty much out of the playoff race now. So it, this will be good to see how Notre Dame bounces back and if nothing else, it's a great rivalry game that no matter how good or bad these teams are, you're going to probably want to watch. And I think USC is supposed to get Zachariah Branch. We've talked about him during the podcast. He's electric. He's been out the last few weeks, and maybe he gives them that just change of pace that allows them to even score even more points because I, I think they're so good. So I want to stay at 730, another top 25 game. A game that la- it should be undefeated teams, let's just be honest. Miami should be undefeated, but the worst... I mean, Mario Cristobal should probably be investigated for throwing that game because that, that makes no sense. Like that, What he did on the final drive for Miami makes no sense except that he had Georgia Tech money line and wanted that game to end a little different. So maybe... I, mean, I read some funny reports about that. They're like, hey, he threw the game. And I mean, I can't explain what he did, so... Miami goes on the road to play UNC, one of your top 10 teams, North Carolina. Miami is a three and a half point dog on the road. Line seems kind of low to me, to be honest. If you think UNC is a top 10 team, and I also think UNC is a very good team, and you look at the ranking, 12 against 25, like I'm just picturing like a 12 versus 25. I don't usually think it's just over a field goal game. So I wonder why it's so close, Cole. Yeah, I think the reason it's so close is just because of the matchup nightmare. Miami on the defensive line for Miami against North Carolina's offensive line. Miami just has dogs who can win one-on-one matchups on that D-line. Um, and that can that can wreck a game sometimes. I'm not saying that Miami's gonna gonna win this game or even cover, but I, I do think that if, if North Carolina just can't move the ball when a quarterback doesn't have time, that can that can really wreck a game plan. Um, so really if North Carolina can hang on and, and Drake May can really continue to stay in this form, this could be another game where he really reminds everyone, hey, I'm here. I'm still in the Heisman race. I know you, most of the fans, most of the college football community has not watched me the last five weeks, but I'm right here too. Don't just 
look at every other quarterback on the West Coast. I'm here to be in this Heisman race. And he definitely has the talent to do it. And he's really hitting hitting his stride right now. And he's 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 playing at this peak that he's played all year. And it's a very good time to be at your peak um, coming into just a good Miami team. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really good that they, they're at home for this one because – I don't know what I'd think if they were on the road, although Miami doesn't have much of a home crowd anyway. Yeah, Mario Cristobal needs to just play a lot of Xbox or something or just figure out how to how to run a game because he's just historically not good at it. He did the same thing at Oregon, and it cost him a game there. Um, maybe he is gambling. Maybe he's just dumb. I think the, uh, the running back was at 90, like, eight yards or something. He wanted him to get an over 100-yard rushing game. I heard that conspiracy as well, so that could be true. No matter what, incredibly dumb decision, but I don't think that reflects truly uh, Miami's talent level. Yeah, and I, I have Miami obviously over seven and a half, so this is one that I hope they can steal. I don't know if they're going to be able to steal this because I think North Carolina is a very good football team. And Tez Walker is going to get – you're probably going to see a lot more of him. You didn't really see much of him in their last win, but I, I'm just telling you, I think he has a big – big game and catches at least three or four passes and they finally kind of get him into the system and good for him because I'm I'm excited for that yeah he was integrated last week a little bit and that's kind of that's kind of just a tale as old as time that receiver comes back from being away from the team for a while you get him a few easy catches he doesn't do anything too special and then really has a full week of really preparing for a game coming off one getting back in the rhythm with the rest of his team and it's usually that second and third week that they they start to take off and really show you who they truly are so that's definitely something to watch uh for this game and and their offense was already doing really well, so it's going to be fun to see what, what they look like with just one more. And they're, they're running the ball really well, too, which I don't know how well they'll be able to do it against Miami, but um, it's a really complete offense if their offensive line can um, maintain just the talent that is coming at them uh, from Miami. So a game I want to move to in the SEC East, and this is a big game because if Missouri can go into Kentucky and beat them, they have a possible chance to uh, contend with Georgia, I would say, in the SEC East. Don't think Missouri's like some crazy team, but if they win this game, are able to take care of business and then maybe pull some crazy upset, you never know. So I think this is probably them or Tennessee, we've said, are the best chances that we have to maybe not allow Georgia to go to the SEC championship. But unfortunately, I think they're going to. But Missouri's two and a half point dogs. At Kentucky, Kentucky's coming off just a blowout loss against Georgia. Missouri's coming off a tough loss at home to LSU that was just a shootout. I don't anticipate this game being a shootout. I think you see a very low-scoring game. Two good quarterbacks, I'd say two underrated quarterbacks in Brady Cook and Devin Leary. So this game, don't know how much, like how engaged I'll be into this because at 7.30 we just talked about two games in USC, Notre Dame, and Miami, North Carolina, but... I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this because I think I like what Eli Drinkowitz is doing there at Missouri, and I kind of think they can win this game. I'm not picking it. It's not on my picks, but I think Missouri wins this game, Cole. Yeah, I agree. I'm not picking this game either. I'm staying away from it. I don't know at all what's going to happen, but I do think if I had to guess right now, I would say Missouri is going to win this game. I like the matchup for them. They do have the ability to score a lot of points, as we've seen time and time again, and and I don't know if Kentucky – can keep up with them uh their only hope is to be able to slow that offense down because i don't know if their offense can keep up with them so that'll be uh that'll just be a fun game to watch and it's it is a big game a big game for for the sec and and what that that looks like and and for eli drinkwitz and and that missouri team who started out five and oh they don't want to go then lose two straight games after that so big game for missouri to bounce back and but Kentucky, same thing for them. So we'll see. Kentucky's been just gets bullied every year by Georgia. So it'll be really interesting how they bounce back as well. But yeah, it's it's just a game that I don't really have. There's not much separating these two teams. Um, and it'll just be a good, fun, even game to watch of two teams that are in a very similar spot right now. Yeah. And outside of Georgia, Kentucky usually plays pretty good. So it's kind of funny that Georgia's just there. Georgia is just their kryptonite, so maybe, they, maybe they'll bounce back at home in front of hopefully a good crowd for a night game against a good Missouri team. Now, I want to stay with our last top 25 game of the week. UCLA goes on the road to play Oregon State. 
who would have thought this, like, not obviously coming into this year, this one I think people would have thought, but you just look in the last, like, five years at, I mean, UCLA has been good, but Oregon State has not been, and this is a top 18 game in the country. So UCLA is going on the road, three-and-a-half-point dogs at Oregon State. I don't really know what to expect. I am uh, staying away from this game. Uh, I have no clue what to expect here because I've seen both these teams look really good, and I've seen both these teams look pretty poor. So I don't know what to expect. Pac-12, Cole, help me out. Yeah, I'm going I'm going with the home team here in Oregon State. I think they will win this game. Um, I think they're, they're, that's a tough place to play up there. Their defense is... It's been a little shaky, but I do still trust uh, their schemes. And UCLA's offense hasn't been anything to really write home about. And I do think that they have, I would say they have similar defense. UCLA might be a little, might have a slight edge there, but I think Oregon State has a pretty big edge on the offensive side of the ball. Um, And I think uh, Dante Moore is still just a freshman and he continues to play like a freshman. Um, He has good plays, he has bad plays, and there's nothing really. The offense can kind of stall out sometimes. Uh, I'm sure he's he is going to be very very good, even by the end of this year. And any game could be his coming out game. He just hasn't had that quite yet. But I also think DJ is um, just a, he's he's performed really well this year, and the whole team has, has has performed well except for that one loss to Washington State where they only lost by three. Yeah, I think Oregon State is is really people are forgetting about them, but I think they're going to continue to fight hard to to make it in that Pac-12 championship game and, and see what they can do, um, cause some havoc at the end of the year because their season is still all in front of them. Um, and I think Oregon State has a better chance to run the table than UCLA does, and I think their home game, night game, they're going to come out ready to play. And I don't see UCLA really being able to do much against them in that environment. Yeah, the Pac-12 is just, I mean, they got so much going on, and it's, it's really fun to watch every week because you feel like – Every game means so much more in that conference because there's legit five or six teams that could probably win the conference. And that's, truthfully, that's what I want in almost every conference. I really like that, and I think it's great for parity, Cole. Yeah, we're going to get that as expansion happens. I think some of the additions to the Big 12 will help that in that conference, especially if Colorado continues to get better. But obviously having Texas or Oklahoma being added to the SEC – Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC out of the Big Ten um, will help make that uh, help should help balance the conference out a little bit. Have more teams fighting for the championship. So yeah, I agree. Parity is better. Uh, ACC is a way better conference this year because there's a lot of different teams that can win it, and you always want a few teams, at least three or four per conference, to have a chance. And yeah, the Pac-12 has been so fun because there is so many teams this year that are able to 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 make it there. Agreed, and. Let's go into our teams that we obviously like to watch and we root for and we know very well. I'll start with Ohio State because we'll go Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Ohio State on the road, 19.5 point favorites at Purdue. All I want to see from Ohio State is them run the football. I want to them to be able to run the ball for four, five, six yards a carry. Travion Henderson is coming back. I really think as this season goes along, you are going to see a 50-50 backfield with him and Chip Trainum because I think Chip Trainum is what Mayan Williams could be. And that is, or other way around, Chip Trainum is what we always wanted Mayan Williams to be as an Ohio State fan. He's a big physical running back, but he also has pretty good speed. And Trayvon Henderson's kind of your, your hit-it guy. He's the guy you want to explode like he did against Notre Dame with a 70-yard touchdown. And so I really want them to be able to run the football. I have no really problems with the passing game. I think Kyle McCord is just continuing to get a little bit better each week, and that's really all I can ask for. He just needs to throw the ball to Marvin Harrison because that dude has just, especially since the beginning of the year, he's taken over games, and that is what they need. So I don't really look at Purdue much in this game. Purdue just came off a loss at Iowa. I was really bad, um, but Purdue can move the football, so that'll be kind of interesting because they have – Graham Harrell's their offensive coordinator. All of us remember him from Texas Tech Air Raid days, um, and that's the OC there at Purdue. So we'll see, but don't really anticipate much in this game, Cole. Yeah, I don't anticipate much either. However, it would be quite hilarious if Ohio State just pulled a all, was it like 2016 or 2017? They, they did lose that Purdue. <laughs> yeah. Now that team um, had Rondell Moore and that team had Yeah, quite, some quite different teams guys, for sure. Um, yeah, I think, I feel like, Tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe this is just my bias as a fan, but I feel like 
there's a cycle that we've had for Ryan Day uh, for his teams where you come into the the season loving your running backs, thinking they're really good, and we're going to run the ball a lot this year. This is where the team's going to take its biggest jump, and we're going to be able to really run the ball. And then it kind of happens at the beginning, kind of doesn't, and then there's a game in the middle of Big Ten play where it's like, do we even know how to run the ball anymore? And then it's and then the next week you're like, I want to see this team just at least figure out how to run the ball. And that's just kind of what it seems like every year. Totally fair. I, I agree with you. And they uh, they had a lot to replace this year on the O-line. And so the O-line's not as good as what I was hoping. You lost Paris Johnson, top 10 pick. You lost Dewan Jones. They lost a lot of guys. But, yep, just run the football, and that's all I need to see. So what do you need to see from Michigan this week? Just more of the same. I, I don't want to. I would love to see our starters not play in the fourth quarter again because that's kind of how it's been. I think JJ has taken, I think, three snaps um, or like two snaps in the fourth quarter total. So um, this season, so that's like that's like Alabama Tua stats back when he was he was uh, up there for Heisman. So yeah, they've just been dominating teams that are really not playing uh, much competition. Indiana's no different. Uh, we're just gonna suffocate them. We're back at home. And there is really nothing to watch. I think it's just the same old story of every other week. Uh, touchdown counter for Blake Corum and Roman Wilson, just to get them some uh, Corum or Wilson to stay kind of with the top of the college football and receiving touchdowns and uh, Corum so he can um, break some Michigan records for most touchdowns and yards. So, yeah, just can. And it's every week I'm just sitting here looking for Donovan Edwards to show some signs of life. Um, so I'm still sitting there waiting for that and yeah, really just watching everything because there's really nothing super like particular to watch because they just keep thoroughly dominating everyone. Yeah, it's got to be boring. I mean, I know it's, I wouldn't be bored because you're going to be 7-0 and after Saturday, so you should be happy, which I know you are, but it I'd want to start playing some teams and next week you play... You play your little brother, so you never know what's going to happen. Who knows? I We're going to move in. That's a good little segue for me to move into Michigan State's game. Right, you got something to say? Yeah, I, I hate that game every year. It's just like it's always like something where it's just like nagging, and Michigan State always plays Michigan so much tougher. So I'm, I'm not excited for that. I do also want to say that I know Michigan isn't playing anyone this year, but I don't know if you saw the schedules come out for the Big Ten. And Michigan has USC, Oregon, Washington, Ohio State, and Texas next year. So we're going to really make up for the last two years and then some with that. Like all those teams are currently in the top 10 that I just listed. Um, so we have quite the difficult schedule next year. So people, you guys can can cry about Michigan's schedule this year. Just don't worry. We're going to get it all back and then some more next year with our schedule so yeah good luck next year because you guys are not gonna be as good as you are this year and that is a grind of a schedule and that's a that's a schedule you want jj mccarthy as your starting quarterback so that'll be fun but you're right crazy schedule and yeah it'll be nuts so michigan state goes on the road four and a half point underdog at rutgers i'm I am not picking this game on the podcast. I told you we're done doing that promise. Michigan State's going to win this football game. Um, they're coming off a bye week. They are going to hopefully bench Noah Kim and play Kate Hauser. There's a lot of reports around the program that that is the case. I won't know until uh, Harlan Barnett says so or you see Kate Hauser go out there. Hauser's looked better this year when he has played in football games. He looks more confident. He doesn't turn the ball over like Noah Kim has. I mean, Noah Kim's thrown six picks. And if they play Hauser against Iowa, I think they beat Iowa. So hopefully Michigan State can get it done on the road against Rutgers, who I was really kind of high on, and then they just got killed by Michigan. And I think that's more of a credit to Michigan, really, than it is Rutgers, because I think Michigan's that good. But not the biggest fan of Rutgers this year. I kind of had it. Uh, I thought they'd be pretty good, but Michigan State's winning that game and speaking it to, into existence, but it will not be one of my A-plus picks of the week because no more Ohio State or Michigan State picks or Michigan betting against them. We're done. Cole, Cole learned his lesson. He bet against Ohio State, and he lost by half a point, so I think he's done too. I won by half a point the first time, so I've evened out, and I'm good. I'm off it. Oh, I forgot the Notre Dame game, but no, you're right. Okay. Transitioning into our final segment, A plus picks of the week. I come off a good week, four and one. I'm sitting at fifteen and twelve record on the season. 
Cole's coming off a tough two and three week. We don't need to get into that much. He, we discussed that Saturday. Uh, he's sitting at 12 and 15. So we have opposite records. Cole, it's a bounce back week for you. Give me that first pick of the week. All right, my first pick is Purdue Moneyline. No. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, my first That'd pick. That'd make up for you immediately. <laughs> uh, my first pick is uh, Texas A&M at Tennessee under 55 and a half points. Um, I think this is a game where the defenses are surprisingly going to be the thing that shows out. And Tennessee is going to run the ball a lot more than they throw it. And it's going to be low scoring. So Texas A&M at at Tennessee under 55 and a half points. I like that. That's a good pick. I have West Virginia. This is okay. So this podcast is going to drop after this game has already happened. So for those of you that will see the graphic come out Friday, um, just so you know, this pick was locked in. Cole's my witness. We're recording this Wednesday night. But I have West Virginia minus two and a half. At Houston, they play Thursday night, and I just think West Virginia is a very good football team, and I think Houston is really bad. So I am going to take West Virginia to win by more than two and a half points Thursday night, and you're going to be listening to this Friday, so it's going to be a little confusing. Great pick. Great pick. Uh, My next one is Oregon at Washington under 67 and a half points. I'm 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 on an under train this week. Um, I think Oregon's going to – they're a smart football team. Um, they have a good defense, and um, I think they're going to be able to run the ball well and do what they want against Washington's offense enough to the for their game plan to be keep it out of Michael Penix's hands, and that's just going to be long drives, and I don't think they're going to be able to get to 67.5 points even though the offenses are good enough too. That's ironic because you told me you don't like betting unders and then watching the game. You say it's the one I bet and then I go off and – do some go to a movie or something, but this is a game you want to watch, so that's kind of ironic. I know money's money, though. I just I liked it too much, and think about it, we can still have a, a thirty to thirty five game, which is, would be a fun game, and we can still hit the under, so I'd be fine. Fair enough. I that that is a valid point. I'm going to go to the game you talked about first, Texas A and M Tennessee, and I'm going to take Texas A and M plus three. I just think they are the better football team in this game, and I think they win this football game. All right. Um, Don't hate that one bit. Give me – let's go right back to that same game I was just talking about, and I'm going to take Oregon plus two and a half as well. Um, I think they're going to have, like I said, a good game plan, and Oregon's going to cover that two and a half point spread. Now, wait. Are you – I when I did this before we went on, I, I saw Oregon at three. I will give you the Oregon plus three because that's what I saw on FanDuel. Did it just change? Yeah, I'm on FanDuel, and I okay. I literally placed my bet right before I told you uh, live right now, and it's at two and a half. The line has changed, um, but it was at plus the it's plus a hundred for two and a half. So the line just moved. Okay, I was gonna say because I was gonna give you the three, but hey, honest Cole, I appreciate that. My next pick. Maryland minus 13 and a half at home against Illinois. I think there's a lot of, there's a sour taste in Maryland's mouth after that loss to Ohio State. And I think Illinois is really bad. I was wrong on them. I picked their over under, uh, I picked their over and they are horrible. So give me Maryland to win by two touchdowns against Illinois. You know, if you really want to think about it, this is a homer pick for you because you want Maryland to look good after their performance against Ohio State. No, so it's really, not a homer pick. If you I'm really winning, want to I'm think about it. <laughs> All right. Um, my next one. This is my last my last under, I promise. But under 60 and a half points, USC at Notre Dame. That's a lot of points for a game that could be bad weather and a game where Notre Dame is just going to run that ball a lot and they're going to waste a lot of clock. So bad weather mixed with uh, a better defense that USC than USC's ever played mixed with a good run game from Notre Dame where their intention will also be to try to keep um, the ball out of the best player in the country's hands. Still could be a relatively high scoring game, but 60 and a half is a lot of points for me. So I'm taking under 60 and a half points. Man, we're going to have to start like a Twitter hashtag here under Cole now, I guess. <laughs> like, that's probably what I'll do when I post the uh, picks, but I'm going to go... Texas Tech minus one and a half at home Saturday night against Kansas State. I've been impressed with Texas Tech the last few weeks. 
coming off their disappointing start to the year. And you give me one and a half points at home against Kansas State, who I just don't. Will Howard has not looked like Will Howard looked last year, and I'm going to take Texas Tech to basically just win the game at home against Kansas State. I'm doing the same exact thing, going right back to the game, taking Notre Dame minus two and a half points. Five bets, three games here, um, three unders. So yeah, Notre Dame minus two and a half at home against USC. I just don't. I think USC is. It's finally time for them to get exposed, and um, it definitely says a lot that Notre Dame is favored after. They just got their second loss, and USC is undefeated. So I don't think uh, USC is doing that well, and I don't think they're built to be a relatively cold-weather, um, rainy game. And I think this is this is playing right into Notre Dame's play style this weekend. Okay, you got three games to watch this weekend. You only got to watch three games. No, I, I that's the first time this has happened, but you need a big week. So I respect it, and you're, you're looking for the big bounce back. I am going to go... UNC minus three and a half against Miami at home. I think this line is too low. Uh, I just think UNC is the much better football team and has looked just better than Miami has. And that's coming from a person that wants Miami to do good. So give me North Carolina minus three and a half and 10 and 0 on the podcast this week. Bold prediction. I'm calling it. Uh, last week I thought I'd go five and zero, but it didn't happen. So ten and zero from us—that's that's the goal, Cole. Ten and zero. If if we go ten and zero, if we go ten and zero at any time this year, we don't know what we'll do, but we'll, we'll do a little giveaway. All right, we'll we'll do a little giveaway. Maybe a, All right. a yeah. Who, we'll do a who little knows giveaway. what it could be? I don't know what it could be. So that's that's a little fun. I I don't know what it could be either, but we will do one. So. 10 and 0 any week we'll do a giveaway. Maybe it's one of those things where we have to like maybe one year we have to go to like an Iowa football game and just punish ourselves or something. Just, just <laughs> if we go 0 and 10, if we ever go 0 and 10, we have to go to an Iowa oh, football game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I like that. 0 and 10 <laughs> and we go to an Iowa football game. So, no, this will wrap up our uh, week 7 preview episode. We had a lot of fun today, broke down a lot of amazing games, four top 25 games, but also some other games we didn't even talk about that you'll want to pay attention to uh, and just really lock in. Watch a lot of football this weekend. If you're in Michigan, the weather is going to be crappy. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. Um, Stay inside and watch a lot of football, Cole. I mean, it's probably hot out where you are, but not here. Yeah, likewise, if you're in Arizona, maybe get up. Go for a little hike in the morning before the game start at 9 a.m. Get after it and then uh, really feel good about yourself sitting on your butt the rest of the day watching all this beautiful, beautiful college football. Sounds like a plan to me. I would. I think I'm going to do that. And I, I get a little time to sleep in, which is that is the only positive I would say to the, the East Coast and time is I get to sleep in a little bit before, I, before game starts. So this will officially wrap up the Week 7 preview episode. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Share the podcast. We continue to see numbers kind of steady off, which is good, uh, but we want to keep growing. People share it. Let people know what you think about the podcast. Let us know. Simple text if you know one of us. A lot of people have DM'd the Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate the feedback and enjoy an amazing weekend of college football, and we'll see you next week for another episode of A Degree in Sports.